Welcome to the Dreams X Trash podcast. Hey, I'm Oscar, host of Dreams X Trash, Kenyan living and working in Japan with dreams of being more than an unknown writer. And I'm Jason, fellow co-host of Dreams X Trash, Kenyan living in Japan and tech and art enthusiast. And Jason, what do we do here? Well, Dreams X Trash is a podcast hosted by us, two Kenyans living in Japan. We have lived in Japan for a combined period of six years, six years, and English Jesus. teachers. <laughs> Jesus is right. The conversations <laughs> are a parasocial look at Japanese, Kenyan culture, society, history, philosophy, and a lot of bullshit that swirls around in our lives. I agree with that. And these conversations are a journey of us attempting to make sense of our lives, the world around us, and us trying to make something of what little knowledge we have. And we do have very little knowledge. And that journey starts right now. Hey Jason, new month, new theme. New month, new theme. By the way, before that, how are you doing? How are you doing? I am doing okay. Actually, mm-hmm. had a having a bit of a bad morning, but it's okay. Yeah, I I'm I'm having a decent morning. The house is pretty clean this morning. Uh, Raha didn't mess everything up as usual, she usually does, so I feel really comfortable and relaxed. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, other than that, everything is just as usual as usual. Yeah, pretty much as usual. Mm-hmm. I'll feel better after like doing yoga or something, and then maybe mm-hmm. meditating a bit. Mm-hmm. Then life will be a lot better. But besides that, it's been it's been pretty normal. Pretty normal. Mm-hmm. The work is still <laughs> work and stuff. <laughs> work will always be just work. <laughs> okay, so we have a new theme for the month, and the new theme is drum roll, please, Jason. Uh, yeah, sure. Okay, the new theme is far from home. Far from home, and what does what does just what does this imply to you, Jason? What is this? Far from home. <laughs> You're very far away from home. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know. It's pretty what self-explanatory. Yeah, straightforward. It's straightforward. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So I think with this thing, it's this is perfect for us. We're both living in Japan. We're both Kenyans. And how long have you been in Japan, Jason? Um, one year and what nine months now? Eight months? One year. Almost one two year. years. Almost two okay. years. Yeah. Yeah. I've been in Japan for I think six years now. Six years. Oh, but if you take the last time I came into Japan, like collectively. Mm-hmm. Collectively, mm-hmm. I've been here for definitely two years. Two years and a couple of months. What do you mean the last time you were in Japan? The last time. Oh, when you were traveling? Mm. Oh, with the... Uh, that was just like for a few weeks. That was like even like one or two weeks, right? Was it one or two weeks? It wasn't like three weeks? Oh, it was almost a month. I, I don't know. I was, I was in the, that group with you, so I'm not quite sure. I yeah, either way, it's a bunch of months. Mm-hmm. Ah, anyway, mm-hmm. yeah. So, yeah, one, one, one to two years doesn't matter. Man, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. so being far from home, do you do you ever get homesick? 
Uh, lately, I've been getting less homesick, but yes. yeah. the first year, yeah, there were plenty mm-hmm. of times I was missing home. Yeah, uh, I in the beginning, I remember when I first came to Japan, I never felt, well, I felt homesick for the first month. The first month, I upon my arrival in Japan, I realized that I don't want to be here, you know? I didn't have any friends, I didn't have any acquaintances, I just didn't want to be here. Yeah. Then, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It, it was a terrible feeling. I just wanted to go back home. You know? For but me, things, it was uh-huh. like the first three months, three, four months. Mm-hmm. Starting the English job because I had never taught before. Everything was super new. And honestly, mm-hmm. uh, starting something from fresh, you can imagine. You're really bad at it, right? Mm-hmm. So here I am. I suck at teaching, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm being like, basically critiqued at everything i do so every day i'm like mm. constantly writing things down being told what to do and then on top mm. of that like none of my co-workers are my friends right mm-hmm. back mm. at home let's just say that uh, kenyans in general are a lot of bit warmer mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and even in the like quote-unquote corporate world you, you you still find people who are like generally friendly you know Mm-hmm. and friendly enough that you might actually start talking to each other like on a personal basis and become friends mm-hmm. in japan i was not getting that same environment or that same feeling it was like totally like business strictly business you know sure people would give you a odd conversation here and there like oh yeah where are you from like a friendly conversation but yeah, yeah no yeah. one will actually want to like hang out with you unless you put like your own two feet forward and like I try to so like there I am in this work environment that's stressing me no friends no family the only person I know is like you and winner who are like you're in saga winners and um at that time he was in Osaka so it's like by my just being by myself this is like the first time I was truly and utterly by myself and I just felt lost you know I was like, I used up a bunch of my savings just to come here to Japan. Was this the right thing to do? I have no idea mm-hmm. if it's going to work out. I might actually like fail really, really hard, you know, as a teacher. Then I have to go back home immediately. Mm-hmm. Then I'll mm-hmm. be an absolute, like I would have wasted money. I would have failed at everything. It was like so many things hitting me in my head all at once. Mm-hmm. And it was mm-hmm. very, very stressful, you know. That's the first thing you notice when, when you leave home, right? It's like you realize how easy things were back home. You know, that's the first thing you notice. Before before even accepting the change, you just realize how easy things were for you back in your, in your, in your own home, whether it's your own country, with your parents, wherever it is, maybe it's your former job. Things were just so much easier then. And it's, if, it's even worse for us because coming to Japan, we had to learn a new language, right? We are still in the process of learning a new language. So there, there are moments in my day when I have to stop being Oscar, as I've known Oscar to be, and I have to be the Japanese version of Oscar, you know? The version of Oscar that is acceptable for Japan. Right? We have to do that for our work. Exactly, exactly. So as pretty much our entire lives in Japan, right? And for me, also, for me, it's not just at work. It's also with my in-laws because I can't just be the Oscar that I am. In, I was in Kenya. I can't just be the Oscar I am with my wife, with my in-laws, you know? Mm-hmm. So 
most of my life here in Japan is me trying to shut down a part of myself, you know? And that's when I start thinking about home. I start thinking about, well, if I was with my family in Kenya, I wouldn't be behaving like this. I wouldn't be so reserved. I wouldn't be so, you know? No, I, I feel like there's a part of me that is, I'm scared of expressing myself as I normally would in Kenya, right? Huh. And I remember during Golden Week, uh, Golden Week is a holiday in Japan whereby a bunch of national holidays are clustered together for one week, so it's just a one-week-long holiday. Ah, and during this, so that's what uh, happens. I always wondered what yeah, the hell yeah. Golden Week was. Yeah, just a bunch of holidays clustered together. Okay. So during the last Golden Week, I went out with my... No, I, I went to visit my in-laws. And when I was there, I was watching my, my wife and her sister and and the parents just interact, you know? And there's a, there's a kind of dance families have. You know, everyone knows the other person's behavior. So no one is trying to prove something to the other person, to the other people, right? Everyone is settled in their roles because that, that's the role they've been playing since the family started, right? They all know what they're doing. They all know what they all know they're doing, doing right? Yeah. And I was there trying to, to play a role, but I realized there's no role for me to play here. All the roles have already been filled. So I just sat there, like I was, usually in the past, I would usually just drink with my father-in-law, but since I'm not drinking anymore, I was just there in awkward silence. You know, I don't even know what to say. I, I don't know what to say to them. There's nothing I can say. I was just following my daughter around, you know, just take care of Raha. And I, re I recalled how when I was in Kenya, I was the one who was interacting with my parents in this vivacious way, you know. I was I was excited to have a holy time with my family. You know, when we're all together, you know, maybe my dad is having a couple of drinks, my mom is having a wine, you know, my brothers and I are just, you know, fooling around. Everyone settled in their roles and were fine and everything felt perfect. And I realized here in Japan, I don't have such a role to fill. I'm all I'm either the husband, the father, the teacher, or the, you know. Or the son-in-law. That's what I am here. Or the brother-in-law. I'm I'm never just Oscar. Whenever I am just Oscar, is like this moments, like, like in the mornings when I'm alone, right? That's when I'm just Oscar. And even I'm only Oscar for Oscar, not Oscar for society, for a group of people, for my family. I'm just Oscar for Oscar. Also, when in you're my with, isolation. Also, when you're when you're with Yumiko, right? Or Raha. Uh. To some degree, to some degree, yes, but even so there's a way I will express myself in Kenya because I'm speaking I will be speaking mostly in Kiswahili, right? Yeah. And that part of my life is kind of closed off when I'm just talking with Imiko. Because with Imiko, it's either English or Japanese, right? There's I can't talk to Imiko in, in Kiswahili. I mean I can try, but she'll understand maybe like 20% at best, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's like man, there's there's a way, you know, most even to this day, right? Just recently, I came to realize that a lot of my thoughts are now starting to be, are now in English. Recently, a lot of my thoughts are, are in English. Uh -huh. But growing up, most, if not all of my thoughts were in Swahili, were in Swahili. Right? Uh -huh. So now, when, I, when, I'm, when I'm trying to have a conversation with Yumiko, the idea comes into my head initially in Kiswahili. Then in my head, I have to translate it to English. And if Yumiko doesn't understand my English translation, I have to translate it once more into Japanese. Right? Uh -huh. 
So how many la- how many layers of context has been lost in those three in the in the, in the three translations? You know, I don't know. I don't know. Neither do I. Neither do I. So it's like, but definitely, I can feel that there's a part of this conversation that's missing because it will be so much easier if I could just say this in Swahili. You know. Right, right. So I can't, I can't just be Oscar even for my wife. You know, I can, I can try to be a good version of Oscar. You know, a decent version of Oscar. But I can, I just can't be the Oscar that I was growing up in Kenya. Does because, that make sense? Yeah, it does. Because we are the outsiders. Mm-hmm. Outsiders here. And. And. Uh, uh-huh the specific kind of what pressure that comes with being the outsider exactly exactly i think yeah uh-huh. society in general at least the way we're socialized is to always try to be part of the group mm-hmm. don't try to stray too far away always mm-hmm. play well and do well by others mm-hmm. i think uh, that's the majority of our upbringing and the social values yes. that we hold. Yes, I agree. And um, when we stray too far away from the group, we start to feel bad. Mm. And we start to develop weird psychopathies, you know? We, do, mm-hmm. we, do, we, deal, we, we start doing weird things in order to deal with this extra stress, this, this feeling. I see, I see. I agree, I agree, and you know, like there's this part of being, so a part of being in a society is understanding the culture, right? You know, just basically in Japan, speaking the language, understanding to say it, itadaki mas before you eat your food, you know? Yeah. Knowing to take off your shoes when you get to someone's house, right? Mm. That's part of the culture, but it's part of being part of a society. However, there's another extra layer that I think in the modern world we have we are trying to pretend it doesn't exist. And that part is looking like the people who are in that society. Looking like? or you don't Looking, at, do you looking like them physically. In? Physically. No, looking like them physically. Having a, an Asian face. Having Asian skin. Yeah. You know? Uh-huh. Especially, think about this. It, it, I think it's the same for both Kenya and Japan. If you're a white man in Kenya... You obviously don't immediately fit into Kenya, right? And you never will. Exactly. If you're a black man in Japan, you don't really fit into Japan. I mean, you can try. You can speak the language. Of course, it's not like they'll push you away because you're black. They will accept you. But still, there's a way you'll always be an outsider because think about this. You can have fluent Japanese. You might have lived here for 30, you know, most of your adult life. Like me, basically, I've lived here my entire adult life. I've never been an adult in Kenya, right? Mm. But now the thing is, even though I live in Japan, I can speak Japanese reasonably well. When I go to a restaurant, they give me the menu in English. And I'm not saying that's bad of them. Of course, it makes sense that they will do that because most foreigners in Japan don't speak Japanese. So yep. it makes the sense that they will do that. However, imagine someone who has been here for 30 years, no, 50 no. years. I feel like imagine somebody who's actually half Japanese. <laughs> Exa- exactly. Someone who's half Japanese, you know, like my daughter. She's, she'll probably go to a restaurant and get an English menu, right? She's been raised as a Japanese yeah. person. She's full Japanese person. And like, you enter the restaurant, she gets an English menu. There's a yeah, funny I mean, YouTube video about people who have been like born in Japan, raised in Japan. 
and can speak mm. Japanese. They're basically Japanese, you know? Yeah, yeah. And they still get treated like... People still can't... Like, Japanese people just still can't connect those dots with, like... Oh, wait, this person's Japanese. <laughs> yeah, so, like, I do believe... So, here's the thing. Looking like the people who exist in a culture... It's it's important. It's not really important, but it is a major factor. There's a reason why, as human beings, we're tribal. We're tribal, right? Yeah. Evolving in the African savannas, we all everyone was part of a tribe, a group. You know, maybe it had like they have this numbers number where we have like each each tribe had like 150 people. Uh-huh. 100, yeah, 150 people, right? And most of these people, what all of them looked the same. They all spoke the same language, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. So if you see someone coming, like another group coming up, and they have lighter skin than you, darker skin than you, you're not seeing other human beings. You're seeing something else. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Right? Let me tell you, <laughs> this is something, I don't know if this is, I think it's my father or my uncle who told me this. So my father's tribe is Kalenjin. That's the name of the tribe. And the translation for Kalenjin into English means the people. The people. I don't know. I don't remember who told me this. So basically, it means like Kalenjins are people. Everyone else are not people, you know? <laughs> That's a classic story. Exactly, right? That's a classic, and I'm sure it's not, yeah. I'm sure it's not just Kalenjin. I'm sure it's many other tribes in across the world that refer to themselves as the people. Look at the kanji for... Uh, is it China? Yeah, it's middle the, country. Middle <laughs> country. It's center of the world. Center yeah. of the world. Everyone else is like, they're not the protagonists. We are the protagonists. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So it's like, in this modern, of course, in the modern world, we're worried about racism and discrimination based on, you know, physical appearance. But historically speaking, evolutionarily speaking, if you didn't look like us, you were not one of us. It was as simple as that. Right. And I'm not saying that's right. I'm not saying that's even good, especially in today's world. I'm not saying it's good. But, but we've looked at it from, we've looked at it from, like, you've just explained it, like, from biologically, in biological yes. evolutionary terms, why that might have been very useful, like, mm-hmm. 100,000 years ago, right? Yes, yes. You don't have to think, is this person going to be friendly to me? You know, it's like, you look at him, he's like, he's not, he doesn't look like you. He clearly doesn't mm-hmm. have your family blood, you know? Exactly, yeah. So, screw this guy. He's probably an enemy. Yeah, he's, he's an enemy, yeah. He's probably not even a human being. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. So it's the same thing. Like, think about this. So this is an experience I had when I was teaching uh, at a kindergarten once. Uh, I was teaching in the English class. There were like maybe three, four-year-olds. And after the class, we had lunch. And this one little girl was staring at me. And I asked her, hey, what's up? Uh, we are speaking in Japanese. And she asked me, Oscar, are you a human being? Ninja <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oscar saying, say one thing in the sky. You know, like, she asked me with such innocence, you know? And that innocence that she she had when she expressed that, that you no, know, that curiosity, that's the same innocence that human beings probably had a hundred thousand years ago. You know, when they're seeing another thing, another another human being that has darker skin, lighter skin, maybe two taller, shorter, they were like, what the fuck are you, you know? what What's going on? You've been dealing you know? with, like, 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 <laughs> If you're in Kenya, basically, or in yeah. an African village somewhere, you've been dealing with black people your entire life. Exactly. Then you see this, like, white person. Not even this white person. Imagine this person from, like, Europe with red hair. 
She has red exactly. hair. You're just like, what? And green eyes. And, and green, green eyes. eyes. You think they're the <laughs> devil. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, the devil. I, I think you're the devil or the, you're an angel, right? It's one of the yeah. two. Yeah. So th- that's it. So now imagine being, like, not just imagine, you know, being in the in the shoes of the guy who's the different guy, you know, who's the different looking guy. That's you in Japan, Jason. That's your experience every day, you know. Walking around Japan, we people just stare at us, right? People just look at us. You always get the look. You yeah, people, people just look at us. You know, so much so that I don't even notice it anymore. Yep. But in the beginning, I felt like it was too intense. It was too much. It was overwhelming. Everyone keeps looking at me. But that's but that's also because of the again in the beginning when you're super stressed out, that's like you're they're looking at you, but you're also looking at them. You know, of course, yeah, yeah. You're still you're still absorbing all of this information about your new environment, so it's like mm-hmm. you're looking at them. Everyone's looking at you. Hey, <laughs> let me just say for all the people out yeah. there who want to, all mm-hmm. the listeners who want to travel, that you have to be. There's a certain level of comfort that you must have with yourself first. If you're not yes. comfortable <laughs> at home. And you're not comfortable specifically alone at home, man. Traveling is it's going to be it's, it, all of those problems when you travel to a new country by yourself, it's going to be 10 times worse. I promise you. Oh, okay. And this is another thing. Okay, you brought a very interesting point that it made me think about something about foreigners in Japan. When I talk to many foreigners in Japan, most of them tell me they came to Japan because they didn't feel comfortable at home, and they came to Japan because they believe that they will be more accepted in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> you know the the idea whereby you feel like oh I I love anime I love manga I love Japanese culture so you I, come here thinking everything you love about Japan from your country is gonna be the same here you know I I laugh because I was kind of like that yeah to a certain extent I, I mean, was that person we want we all most of us were like that in the beginning right yeah well we have this idealized version of Japan whatever it is right yes. whether it's from yes. anime whether you watch it from drama or cooking and all this stuff right. You see this idealized version of Japan. And then when you come here and you start working here, you're just like, Jesus. You know, I swear to God, my initial reaction when I got here inside, like, no, when I started not working, when I was a student, actually being a student was easy. When I started working, my initial reaction was, fuck this place. <laughs> fuck this place. <laughs> oh I just God. couldn't believe the intensity of the people, of the people who work in Japan, you know? Yeah. yeah, life is no joke. Yeah, life is so serious. Business life, my God. My yeah. God. But anyway, but of course, over time, you get accustomed to what the place is, you know. You fit in, like I've said, I've I've been, an, my entire adult life, I've been in Japan. I've not been an adult in Kenya. I don't know what it's like to be an adult in Kenya. It's being, I think it's better being an adult in Japan than in Kenya. Yeah. yeah I mean, Besides, it's, I'm safe. It's literally just a social, from my, from what I think, it's a social slash work life. Mm-hmm. At least, like, your social work life in Kenya is more balanced. You're getting mm-hmm. paid less, but it's more balanced. And you're not, like, constantly stressing about work. There'll be mm-hmm. specific times you're stressing about work when work, you know, work can get hard sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. depending mm-hmm. on what you do. Those are the times you stress out. But generally, it's like you have this healthy balance. In Japan, it's like... Yeah. From so from the people I've seen, 
it's all oh, it feels almost impossible to strike that balance because Japanese when companies I, just want more and more and more and more out of you. I once met this Filipino man who was by that time maybe he'd been in Japan for around twenty five years, and he was telling me he was a salaryman before, and yeah. he stopped being a salaryman because he realized that this is the this is the order of of importance in your life according to Japanese culture. Number one, the most important thing in your in your life should be your company. Then your friends, then your family. That was what he. That's what he learned while, while he was salaryman. Company, friends, family. Uh, for him, as a Filipino, you know, Filipinos they are just they they are like Kenyans to some degree. You know, it's all yeah. about family bonds are really important. Yes. Yeah, so he realized that this this order of importance they have in Japan is totally upside down. I can't I can't work with these people. So he quit his job. And I think we do real like even I see this with. With my wife, you know, I see how much importance she gives to her job. Almost to the, to the detriment of everything else, you know. Almost to the detriment of her, of her own health, you know. Which, to me, doesn't make sense. But I guess that's, that, that, that's the way we were raised. That's our culture, mm. right? That's our cultural lens. Yeah, exactly. Like we we say, like if I'm working and the job is too much, and I'm like. Basic things. Okay, I saw in Kenya growing up, no one brought work home. I never saw my dad or my mom bringing work home. You know. Actually, unless you specifically asked about it, it's like yeah, it's like it doesn't never. exist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but in Japan, people take work home. I see my wife doing work after she after she's left work. Why? Why are you doing that? And even for you and I, to some degree, our company expects us to do some things at home, right? It's extreme. Actually, there's a lot of things we should be doing at home. Exactly. I would, I would with the way we, we, the classes are structured, you don't actually have that much free time to be... Like, unless, again, you have to go out of your way mm. to be there at times where you, you, you're you not really, like, un, you're unlocated. Paid, yeah, you're not being you're paid not... to be there, basically. Unpaid work yeah. hours to be there extra exactly. just to, like, guarantee quality. This exactly. is just expected of you. They're not paying you. Yeah. They just expect you to do it. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. So, such that's a huge difference. But, you know, it's like... Then again, going back to the idea of like... Huh. So, it's like we have to... We've, we've taken money. We've said money is important here, right? So, I'm willing to work this hard to get this amount of money. As opposed to having, a, you know, a decent social life. Because like, I can tell you, Jason, I have no social life here in Osaka. I meet, I talk to my wife and I talk to my child. I don't even talk to my child. I talk at my child, you know, because she doesn't, she doesn't understand me. And I have my... <laughs> she she probably does understand you a bit, though. I mean, what, I'm, what I'm trying to say, she doesn't understand conversations, you know? Yeah. I mean, she can understand when I say, don't do that, you know, like, come here. She can she understands that. But she doesn't understand, like, when I talk about my day. <laughs> right. Maybe, <laughs> maybe she can sense dad had a bad day. <laughs> she can probably sense that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so like my social life in Japan, even even prior to Corona, you know, like even if I ignore Corona, my social life in Japan has just not been that good. Prior to Corona, it was a lot of drinking and yeah, exactly, just drinking, just drinking, and going out and eating, drinking, going mm. out, drinking, partying, and eating. You know, because mm. as a foreigner, 
especially as a like a person who's new to japan mm. how else are you supposed to meet like first of all it's the best way to meet other foreigners going out to clubs and drinking mm. two that's where you actually meet a lot of japanese people who speak english because they're mm. interacting with foreigners who are going out right so it's just a weird environment where it's like okay so these japanese people are constantly interacting with foreigners in the nightclubs mm. in the nightlife so they get to speak a lot of english and mm. then those are the people who are most likely to like at least be able to talk to you especially if mm. you're new in the country mm-hmm. because you're not going to be able to do that at work right in a normal japanese environment you can't do that and i'm thinking where else can you do that it's like maybe you find a club online but it won't be a club of like okay there is like language exchange one right yeah, meetups meet, the meetup app even those are like pretty tame right people that are like they're still a bit conservative they're trying to keep themselves they really do feel like oh i'm just here to just speak the language and leave that's mm. it Mm. so language exchanges and i think after language exchanges is like clubs finding people mm-hmm. who have the same hobbies as you mm. and i think that's a very good like it's if it's not the best way to meet people it's right up there with like going out in the nightlife mm. uh, another thing that i realized so minus the drinking and clubbing the w- one of the benefits that of being in Japan is that I've realized I can honestly say that my wife is my best friend, you know? Because right. for most of, most of my time in Japan, she's the only person I've been inter- interacting with, you know? So there were periods when, like, if we both had a day off uh, long before Raha was born, she and I would just go for long walks. We actually, like, walk for five, eight hours, just walking, chilling at cafes, keep walking again, you know, talking. So I can honestly say in this country, my wife is my best friend. I don't know if I was in Kenya with a Kenyan wife, whether that wife would be my best friend or she'd just be my wife, you know? Because I'll have all my friends around me, my family around me. Why would I need to talk to my wife all the fucking time? It's true. The people who... But here... Yeah, the people who you meet here, like... Yeah. When you form relationships and you guys really get along, those are some of the best ones. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, see, I'm, I'm... I was kind of forced to just spend time with my wife, you know? And because of that, you know, I, I, you know, it's like kind of rekindling, no, not even rekindling, like learning to love her in a new way, not just romantically, you know, like seeing her as a friend. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I can also say to this day, she's, I really enjoy spending time with my wife, just having just the time for the two of us. I really enjoy us, enjoy that just because so we can talk, they always talk, you know, mm. just have a couple of laughs. But it was in Kenya. I don't. I don't know if I will be that way with a, with a wife. You know. Mm. You're right. You're right. You're right. Like you said, Japan has forced you to spend all of this time with her because you had no one yep. else. Exactly. And you, make her to a certain extent, probably knew that too, right? Oscar probably oh, doesn't God. have anyone else. Yeah, she knows that. She knows that. Of course, she knows that. Of course, she knows that. Mm. Yeah, it's it's very. <laughs> Being away from home, like, it's very hard trying to fit into another culture. So the first time I was ever away from home was when I was 11 years old. I went to boarding school. and So we're talking about the first time you've ever been away? Yeah, this is the very first time. So the very first time so I was away from home was what, when what, I was in boarding school. What counts as being away from home? 
like how like an extended period of time how how much time are we talking about uh i will my experience at least a month a month a month a month away from home you start to feel it man you start to realize what you miss how important home is that's funny because summer summer holidays back in like school used to be like a month long Mm-hmm. I was usually after a month where it was just like, ah, this is kind of boring. Maybe we should go back yeah. to school now. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's, I feel like it's a month. It's a month. At least a month. And that's what I, that's what my experience has shown me. That's when the homesick, the homesick. Okay, so if when I was a kid, when I got into boarding school, I started experiencing homesickness literally on the second day. On the second day, right? Hmm. That's when I went to bed. I was crying, like I like, and I kept crying for weeks and weeks and weeks. How old? It were was you? maybe it was eleven, eleven, eleven. So you're in class yeah. like five, six, 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 six. So yeah, so I don't okay, know. That's yeah. uh, junior high, second grade, or first grade. I'm not quite sure. I'm not, I'm not sure. That's junior high, first grade. It, yeah, first grade. Yeah. First grade. Yeah, yeah. So like at that level, I was. I think for three weeks, I was just crying. You know. But by the third week, it's like I I kind of got into the flow of things. I stopped caring so much, and maybe also because I I realized that no matter how much I cry, mom and dad will come and get me out of this hole, you know. <laughs> uh, uh. Yeah. So maybe that's the realization that you know, like okay, I'm I'm kind of on my own here. Of course, I was with my brother, but I realized my tears wouldn't help me as much as you know they will help you when you're a, when you're a child, you know, an infant. Right. <clears throat> yeah. Like yeah, people mock you when you're an eleven-year-old boy crying. People don't don't help you; they mock you. <laughs> yeah, so I, st- I had to stop crying. I had to get my shit together. I had to find a way to fit in. So I started making friends. But man, I hated being in boarding school. I fucking hated it. I hated it. I didn't want to be there. I missed my mom. I missed my house. I missed my bed. I missed the food at home. You know, I didn't like whatever shit they were cooking for us in school. Yeah, I used to always get threatened with like, hey, if you don't bring up your grades, I'm just going to drop you in boarding school. And I used to be <laughs> like, no, don't do it. Don't do it, Bob. Don't do it. I do think it does forces, it forces, like you said, it forces the kid to get their shit together. Mm-hmm. But there's also, hmm, what happens about that sense of abandonment? Yeah, uh, yeah. I- Maybe not, not sense of abandonment. Maybe some kids might have that sense of abandonment, but you can't get away from the loneliness, I guess. Like, I'm not home. I'm not a mom and dad type um, feeling. Yeah, so now this that begs the question. At what point in time did people start, did children start getting separate from their parents at an early age? Because I imagine, like, with hunter-gatherer societies, you're basically with your parents until they die, right? You're not going anywhere. Right? Yep. I would expect so, so. So that feeling, there's no feeling of uh, abandonment unless you I, feel I, abandoned after your parents I, died. I, I think you've gone even too far. I think up until yeah. the 1900s, I'm pretty sure parents and grandparents, even great-grandparents were all living in the same area. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, actually, you're right. You're right. I went too far. You're right. Yeah, so like, now, because think about this. So, actually, fuck, it's even, it, I think it starts in, in kindergarten, right? Think about this, Jason. When I take Raha to daycare, right? And I drop her off and I tell her, I'm coming back for you. 
at 5 p.m. or 4 p.m. whatever time it is. Raha doesn't know that, especially in the beginning, right? She doesn't know that mom and dad are coming back for me. Or she thinks that they've left me here. Right? Yeah. And that's why kids scream in their first day. Because they can't imagine that she'll come back. As far as they're concerned, you're gone for good. Uh-huh. And that is the normal for I think most of human history. You know, that moving human evolution that wasn't a thing. That wasn't a thing. So parents now we're getting were always kind of like maybe if it wasn't the parents it was the grandparents or the uncle the aunt or something like that right exactly. someone exactly. family was always nearby you know exactly exactly so when a kid But gets now, dropped off at like our work for example just gets dropped yeah. in a classroom with a foreign teacher it's like And they're screaming yeah. yeah because think about this right my daughter is one year and six months but yep. she spends most of her week with strangers not with her parents right That's that's so strange, right? From yeah, it is pretty strange that it's crazy. From a historical point, of course, in the modern world it's normal. It's we all just accept that. Cuz parents are working, trying to make a living, exactly. you know. Yeah. We're trying to make a living <clears throat> at the cost oh, yes, at the cost of our social bonds. So the money has become so important it's like yeah, let me just leave my child with this stranger. Right. Right, right. right yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. I, I want to use the Indian family because I think mm-hmm. Indians have, from what I've seen, when it comes to like familial bonds, Indians have, have yeah, they have some strong yeah. familial bonds. There's yes, one particular yes, family. Um, mm. uh, if I can remember his name, his name was Raj, right? Mm. And he mm. used to live like. 20 minutes away from my place. This is when mm-hmm. I was like what, 10 years old, right? He stayed with his grandparents. So his parents, mm-hmm. his brother and sister, his uncle and aunt who were married, they're there mm-hmm. in the house. Mm-hmm. Grandparents are there from the mother's mm-hmm. side. Mm-hmm. And the great-grandparents were literally like half an hour away by drive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he grew up in this house of like so how many are they? 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. And then the uncle and aunt got two kids. So like yeah. 11, 12. And I'm like mm-hmm. thinking about it now. That was probably how it was. It was normal like that. Mm-hmm. Like you'd have exactly. everyone all levels of the family are staying like whether it's the the, the great the grandparents, the great grandparents, the great great grandparents, everyone was staying in the same house. You'd probably mm-hmm. get like 50 people. 50 40 mm. people family people living in the same compound mm, mm. everyone has houses next to each other yeah 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 and it's like you the kind of like wisdom and connection you'd get from this walking next door and talking to your great grandfather it i i don't think we can imagine what kind of like connection that would be today Because I'm assuming oh. most people don't meet. I think most people can meet their grandparents. I I think great grandparents is like a bit of a. You you brought up a great point. Rarity. Uh, I know about other people in the world, but for you for you and I in Kenya specifically, right? Yeah. I grew up in Nairobi. You grew up in Mombasa, right? Mm. Our grandparents lived in other parts of the country. We didn't grow up near our grandparents, right? Yeah. 
<clears throat> so seeing our grandparents was maybe Christmas holiday, right? Christmas, a, a holiday. You needed a holiday. A holiday, yes. A holiday, yes. You need a holiday to go and see you because they live, like for, for me, on my father's side, my grandparents lived maybe a nine-hour drive away. Same thing. Right? Similar, yeah. You need like seven, so, ten hours to go see them. Exactly, exactly. So we never got, we were, we were never rooted in our own culture. We were never rooted in our own culture because talking about being far away from home, like despite me growing up in Nairobi, Nairobi didn't, exp- didn't, hmm, Nairobi didn't express itself the way Baringo, which is my father's hometown, would have expressed itself for a Kalenjin boy, which is, which is me, right? Mm. So there were things I might have learned about being a Kalenjin, you know, about my our history, our language, if I grew up where my grandfather lived, as opposed to grow up in a, growing up in Nairobi. Whereby, growing up in Nairobi, I barely spoke Kalenjin, you know? Most of my friends were from other tribes. I knew nothing. I, to this day, there's, there's so much about my father's tribal history that I know nothing about. Nothing. Same here. Nothing. So it's like, I've actually been, I've actually been far from home ever since I was born. And I was separated from my culture, from birth. If we're talking about this idea of like cutting things, mm-hmm. the modern world is for all of its wondrous things that I 100% appreciate, right? Mm-hmm. There's this idea of dissecting and everything getting smaller and smaller. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. and you brought up that point right now you being cut away the whole point mm-hmm. of you being dissected away from your from your home because if you look at mm-hmm. the family units it, it's the same story right mm-hmm. like grandparents great grandparents great great grandparents all staying inside the same house mm-hmm. hundred years later great grandparents get moved away they're too troubled exactly. they get moved away yeah. that's yeah. the grandparents parents and you know your siblings oh but mm-hmm. not even the grandparents they're too old Mama and Papa are getting too busy. Grandparents get away. Get away. Care home. Care yeah, home. Now yeah. it's just the parents and your siblings. And suddenly everyone's just like, even that's too much. Let's just have one child, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> so like the modern world, like, yeah. Everything's getting smaller and smaller. And it's like, this isn't necessarily, this doesn't necessarily mesh well or synchronize well with a biological history leading up to uh, now and like if know, our brain has been for uh-huh. for all intents and purposes we've inherited this brain right your uh-huh. you your body remembers you as an individual oh, yes, might yes. not remember but your body but remembers your, remembers. your dna has yeah. all, of the, all of this memory yes. right uh-huh. so your dna being brought up in this new environment there's going to be some sort of disconnect exactly exactly no matter the how you try to like rationalize it because we'll get to, we've gotten very good at rationalizing everything me and you the modern world there'll be someone who'll rationalize it and it's fine but you can't deny like it just being different will cause all of these problems so it's like and then the modern world is moving at such a pace where it's like our dna like there is no cat like the catch-up game that the dna has to play is like the modern world changes every like what two to five years Mm-hmm. our dna needs at least a thousand years to change right or something like that i'm even getting that number out of my ass it could be ten thousand years for our dna to update itself to social media the advent yeah, of social yeah. media 
being bombarded with this amount of information our brains our dna was just our bodies were not made for this our minds were not made for this jesus so i'm looking at some numbers here right so i'm looking at marriage and divorce statistics in japan right oh, why so, are we in marriage and divorce <laughs> uh because we're talking about how families being dissected ah okay, um, okay. yeah so getting, I'm looking at the numbers, getting so, smaller and smaller yeah family getting units. smaller and smaller yeah in 1999 the average age of women at the first marriage was 25 right in 1990s average age, 1999 average age oh of women God, being okay. married that's not even that far away okay 2019 average age of japanese women in their first marriage 39 <laughs> no way 39 no. in their first marriage no way i don't no. believe that now where are you getting Bro, those numbers nippon.com it's a japanese uh it's actually a very it's a trusted website bro what the fuck is this so average age oh sorry 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 the number sorry sorry i made a mistake it's 29 i made a mistake sorry sorry 29 29 okay okay that makes more sense yeah Hey, yo. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? 39? No, it couldn't be 39. 39, it's like, <laughs> how many years of like... How many... Like, at that age, you, you just... It's just work, right? Exactly. Do you have, do you have like... No, 39 was just such a weird number for me. Okay, continue. And then now let's look at divorce rates. Divorces and divorce rate in Japan. So in 2019... There were 289,836 divorces in one year. I have no context for that number. And so, so the divorce rate by the divorce rate per 1,000 people rose by 0.01 percent. Uh, I I don't know. They don't give me percentages of the of divorce. I don't know why. They just give me like an, an actual number. Also, it probably went up oh. because of Corona. Probably. So I'm seeing another a random website here. It's actually Wikipedia, but I don't know if I can trust this. Uh, divorce rates in, in Japan, 35.42%. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And like, so now talking about the idea of being families getting smaller and smaller and as people being cut away from their homes. Ah, also, the idea yeah, of, uh, actually, I didn't even talk about, you're right. You brought up that amazing point. Now even the family unit is being dissected, right? Now exactly, people are getting exactly. divorced. And the kids exactly. are being now, put away in boarding schools. Here's the funny thing, right? Do you know how easy it is to divorce in Japan? Jason, it is crazy easy to divorce in Japan. Let me tell you how you've divorced. I don't like Yumiko anymore, right? I go to the city hall, get a divorce certificate. I take her stamp, stamp it, and we're divorced. And that's it. Story finished. Wait, wait, wait. Where's the... 50 50 thing where it's like oh you know the girl the, the wife takes 50 percent of your assets the the, the t- potential child bro um, we'll deal with that later we'll deal money. with ma- ma- we'll deal with money later but when it comes to the child the mother has the child no questions that's oh, not something uh, to discuss in japan that's not something to discuss the okay. mother gets the child okay, okay yeah but w- with money we'll deal with that later but number one just as soon as they use my stamp and her stamp on the paper it's done and here's the thing I can just take her stamp when she's not there and stamp the divorce papers and we're still divorced. As long as the city hall gets the divorce papers. I just want to bring up a quick quote from... What movie was it? 
I can't remember what movie it is, but it, the quote goes like, "Men, when things are going badly, men get all of the shit. When things go right, we get none of the praise." <laughs> <laughs> in a family, in a family, and I'm like, "Yeah, it's kind of true, you know." We yeah. really get the praise. Anyway, yeah, so, um, yeah, that's a bit of a side thing. So, wow, I. Wow. Okay. You just need a stamp, basically. I that's just it. need her, her hanko. Also, her hanko. So in Japan, people don't use. For those listeners who don't know, in Japan, people don't use signatures. They have like a, a wooden stamp that has your name written at the bottom, and just Which stamp, acts as your official signature, yeah. basically. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And you know how many yeah. times I've used it? I used it like three times when I first got. I've Japan. used this. I've used it quite a lot. I mean, but I've been here for a while. That's why. I've used it like three times, and then that's it. Mm-hmm. I actually need a new okay. one because the niche, the cheap one I have right now, yeah, the one I have right now is pretty cheap and it's kind of hard to read. Mm-mm. Yeah, so the family image is getting smaller and smaller, right? Right. So now, and now here's another thing. Now, if, if we get divorced, right? For example, if Yumiko and I get divorced, where does Rah- she goes with, with Yumiko, right? Yep. Now, Yumiko is totally cut off from her Kenyan heritage. Totally cut off. You mean Raha is? Yeah, Raha, yeah, Raha. Raha is totally cut off from her Kenyan heritage. There's no way she's going to be hearing Inimuki Swahili if she's only with her mom, you know? Uh-huh. There's no way she's going to be around someone who's even expressing non-Japanese-ness around her anymore, right? She's full Japanese at that point. Now she's full Japanese. Which, yeah. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but but obviously she's not full Japanese. <laughs> obviously she's not full Japanese. She doesn't look it. She doesn't look like she's full and Japanese. And let's be honest, the Japanese society will never f- accept us full Japanese. No exactly. matter how much she tries. Yeah. Till today, we all know about the stories of the people who are half. You know, the st- kind yeah. of stories they have to go through. Not even that. The people who actually are Japanese, but for some reason, they just have like one or two Korean names in, the, in their full name. Not even their first name. In like the second or third name, they have a Korean name. What do you mean? It's what a rap. It's what a wrap. I have a co-worker that has Gaja. Gaja, she took it from her Korean something, like her grandmother or something. Oh, that, that's Zainichi. That's something different. That's Yeah, that's, that's something different. There's a reason why they're looked down upon. That's, I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not a good reason, but there is historical context to that. But it's not only like if you have a foreign name in general, in your name, mm. you're going to be picked on in the playground. Yeah, yeah. So, like again, yeah. you don't even have to look different. It's like even your name being different is enough for people to like just look at you and go like, "What's any, happening with you? What's wrong with you?" Any different? Any difference at all? Any difference at all? That's basically what you're saying. Any difference at all? Yeah. So like, Raha, like, at the very least, needs to be able to understand who she is and what she is. Now, now, that's the problem, right? How can I make Raha understand who she is when I myself don't understand who I am? Like I've told you about my lack of knowledge about my own father's culture, right? Mm. I've Like I've been far from home from birth. Since my birth, I've been far from home, mm. right? So who am I to enforce culture on Raha? How do I enforce culture? How do I enforce culture that I am unaware of to my, onto my daughter? Hey, as little as, as little as you know, it's this pass on those values because some value is better than no value. 
I do agree. I do. Okay. I can't agree. I can't disagree with that. Because yeah. like you said, her being full Japanese, she'll always be in a part where she'll always be in that weird place for everyone in the Japanese society yeah. where it's like, you're not Japanese. And then she'll be like, I am Japanese. And then it's like, no, you're not. So then she'll be like sort of put on the outsides. And this mm. is the part where it's like, if she can never get fully accepted, at, at the very least, she needs to like have a place to stand a new she, place she to needs stand. to own she needs to own her difference you know yes she needs to own yeah. that difference yeah she needs to understand why she's different at the very mm. least right understand mm. why she's different but then if yeah. oscar isn't there that kenyan part is gone completely then she's yeah, yeah. what, she's what movie just, uh, what what movie had the the people who are stealing uh black people's bodies uh yeah get get out get, get out. out what was the place yeah. the place where people are stuck in between like in their bodies but they're not really in their bodies uh i i don't know I don't the know. sunken place know. yes Sorry. Ra will be in the sunken place uh, Ra yeah. will be forever in the sunken place man that would be terrible for her now she's homesick but she you know it's like you're right you, you your psyche your subconscious knows that you're away from like there's something in this place that is not home for you. Your subconscious yes. knows. Because, yeah, you're right. Her brain remembers, you know, her, her subconscious remembers. It remembers Kenya. It remembers Baringo. It remembers, you know, eating Ugali. It might remember, you know, maybe it's, uh, somehow her subconscious has all this information in her DNA, right? In her DNA, this information exists, right? And she can but, look around and see how other families interact with each other, how people accept other people. Exactly. People are getting recognition. People are getting attention. And then yet, I'm not getting that attention or recognition for simple things mm. I do. So mm. there has to be something wrong with me, right? Yeah. That destroys... Mm. If, if that's not handled properly, that can destroy an individual. Exactly. exactly. And it does. And it does. It does. I think it's an absolute miracle how some of these, like... Uh, mixed ethnicity babies in Japan grow mm. up and do amazing things, you know, become athletes, become like talk show hosts and stuff like that. Their story is literally like nothing but an underdog story. They're but probably... Do you, think, do yeah. you think about like, if you look at this from this point of view whereby they had nothing else so they had to co- totally excel at that one thing to be accepted by society at large. Look at Naomi Osaka whereby she wasn't Japanese she wasn't really accepted by, by Japanese society until she started excelling at tennis. And even now, she's still having problems. <laughs> no, yeah, even now she's having problems. But at least now you can say that the Japanese people support her because she's winning for Japan. Right? Right. Same with Rui Hashimura, the NBA basketball player who's half black. I don't know much about his life story, but it's like now... He's totally one of us, you know. That's the Japanese idea. He's totally one of us because he's an NBA player, right? Uh-huh. He's gone there to show people that Japanese people also good at Japan, you know. Uh, sorry, at basketball. Uh-huh. And the, and the guy, the marathon runner. There are actually two marathon not marathon runners. There are two sprinters who are half black as well. Uh-huh. Yeah, something. Some one of them is called something brown, and I have forgotten the names. But either way, it's like until you excel at that one thing, you know, to such extreme heights. They're basically Olympic athletes, all of them, right? No, there's like, this, this famous actors and like artists. No, I mean too. like the people I've mentioned, the people I've mentioned. 
Oh yeah. The people have mentioned it's like they had to become Olympic athletes in order to be accepted by the the nation at large, right? Right, 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 right. Yeah, you're right. I want, like I want, I want to... what it's like for the for the average, you know, biracial kid in Japan. I want what it's like for them. I don't know, I don't know. But now this is an interesting story. I just had this recently. I can't. So <laughs> I left a meeting a few weeks ago, mm. and I was talking to one of my one of my friends, and he was telling me that his girlfriend, she's half Japanese. Uh-huh. And she was, they had a meeting. She, his, her girlfriend was at another meeting, and I asked, the, "What was what, what meeting? Did she go to?" Oh, it's a half Japanese meeting. What, what does that mean? Oh, so she, there's this group whereby half Japanese people meet and go for dinner and just discuss about issues affecting them as half Japanese. <laughs> and that but, blew my mind. But that's because they organized. have no one else, right? Exactly. You know, it's like, I couldn't imagine like. I almost didn't understand how, why that's that's what's the thing. I didn't understand, understand why that's the thing. But you yourself have mentioned in the past that you will never understand Raha's plight because I, I you can't, can't, are full exactly. Kenyan and yeah. Yumiko is full Japanese. She exactly. was grow she for all like for most of her life she grew up in Japanese culture mm. in a Japanese mm. environment. She's Japanese and you're Kenyan. No matter mm. where you pull it, even though you can't remember like your tribal roots, you're still Kenyan. Right, you mm-hmm. still you still have that Kenyan like values and stuff like that that you learned from growing up. Raha mm-hmm. will be in this middle place mm-hmm. where she like. So she she will she, she understands if, Japanese culture. She understands the language, but she doesn't look like them. Yes, she, she might look closer to a Kenyan, but she knows nothing about the culture or the language. She'll have to learn. She's forced to learn Japanese culture and the language because she's in Japan. Mm. But then there'll be this need to learn Kenyan culture, but she can't. And mm. she can't go to Kenya. Mm. At least as a kid, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like you said, there'll be this weird thing happening in her subconscious. And it, to me, it makes sense why those, the half people would have their own meeting. Yeah, I didn't. In that moment, I didn't quite understand it. It really took me aback. It's like, hey, even us as foreigners, if we went to those meetings, they'll probably tell us the most insane stories, and we'll just could be of like, course, okay, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. How are so, you? Yeah. How are you an outsider inside of your own country? Yes, actually, that's exactly what they they are homesick in their own in their own country. How? Yeah. So your mind asks this, and your mind comes up with all weird kinds of answers, right? Yeah. Because your mind always come up with the worst solutions, the worst, you know, <laughs> the worst responses. So we have time for one last question. One last question. Uh, one last question for today is: Do you think you you ever want to go back home? I'm Japanese now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's a beautiful answer. <laughs> Japanese now. <laughs> Yeah. I, 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 jo- like- I joke and kid I love Kenya there's so many aspects of Kenya I miss the food, my friends, my family even the simple social, social shows, wow. socialization was very simple socializing mm-hmm. was so simple in Kenya mm-hmm. in Japan I have to make so like, and I'm saying this because like, not as, as I'm thinking about my experiences as a kid I did, I've spent I am 20, turning 26 now Mm. I've spent most of my adult life in Kenya. 
so I can mm-hmm. say this even as an adult, there were points where it's hard. Like it, there is like that idea of like it's hard to make friends as an adult, mm-hmm. but it's not as hard as as it was in Japan. And mm-hmm. I had to come up with all kinds of weird things to like Jesus. <laughs> yeah, to cope. And now, even now, I'm still changing because I'm like I can't. This isolation, mm-hmm. like I gotta turn it into something. This these feelings, mm. I have to turn them into. If I don't turn them into something, either way, they're gonna come out of me, right? So now it's That's like cool. either I make the choice and like turn these feelings into something I would like to see, or they come mm-hmm. out of me in a horrible way, potentially mm-hmm. in a horrible mm-hmm. way, you know. Mm-hmm. And as we've talked in the past, if people have been listening. We mean you have problems. It's like they are coming out in a very horrible way yeah. from time to yeah. time. Yes, exactly, exactly. And uh, to answer your question, as much as I miss Kenya, mm-hmm. I do think I can have a better life overall here in Japan. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, with making a living, mm-hmm. making a living building a career and my family life like finding a wife and a girlfriend and stuff like that it's it's not that hard really i would say for me it's almost similar to being in kenya like finding mm-hmm. a partner it, it it hasn't been like it's been a little bit more challenging obviously because of the language barrier mm-hmm. but maybe mm-hmm. because i know some japanese people are a lot more warmer to me just because I know Japanese. Mm-hmm. People are a lot more open to me, rather, just because I mm-hmm. know Japanese, you know? So, mm-hmm. at the very least, for the foreseeable future, I am here in Japan. Yeah. yeah. Same with me. Same with my life is here now. My life, I have... <laughs> you have a wife and a kid. <laughs> there's nothing for me in kenya there's nothing for me in kenya you know i mean i do have my family that's about it but there's nothing else for me in kenya my life is here raha would grow up raha would grow up in in japan raha would grow up what happens what what do you think would happen if she grew up in kenya i i don't know i mean she'll she'll be kenyan i think i think here's the thing i've realized with kenya People who are biracial in Kenya tend to be more confident than people who are biracial in Japan. Because biracial, being biracial in Kenya is not looked down upon. I think people yeah, actually, actually look up. They look up to the yeah. They look up. Yeah. They look up. <laughs> yeah, so it's they, it's yeah, because it's kind of, you're different, and Kenyans mm, actually like they, they, they embrace different. Yes, yeah, they, they embrace yeah. it. It's like yeah. oh my god, you don't have this hard, hard curly hair. You know the wool hair that. <laughs> <laughs> you have straight hair just you having like straight curly hair mm-hmm. would make you super popular mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. as a guy if you're biracial it like and you're in kenya like the amount of girls who would want to touch your hair oscar you know it we've seen it <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> and then if they have like if they're whites and they have like straight hair ah oh, it's a rap man it's a rap yeah, so for, I I, think for me, why life, is it? And I think Kenyan Kenyans as people, we've always been a lot more open to differences and like accepting. 
there's a part you know what i'm talking about there's a part of yeah that's openness of kenyans you know just the way how expressive people are you know if you're not expressive i don't think it's easy i think just accepting things is easier for you japanese people they're closed off even in their own language whereby they have the super polite language you know when people talk to people who they don't they've met for the first time they use the polite language right they just don't talk normally so they're even putting up walls in their own lives in their own societies right even in their own relationships Jeez. in their own exactly in their relationships in kenya we don't put up walls it's like the walls come down quick in kenya the walls come down very quick and that's yeah that's one of the things i miss about kenya definitely how quick the walls come down and of course this this also has disadvantages because people tend to take advantage of that of course that's why you know there are many conmen in kenya you know <laughs> yeah they take it, yeah they take advantage yeah. of that people con the shit out of people in kenya man <laughs> or your friends use you you know and stuff like yeah. that yeah um, so yeah definitely i but for me my life is japan i don't want i i wouldn't like my daughter to grow up man I, kenya isn't safe kenya isn't a safe place there's no way i'm taking my daughter to grow up in kenya it's as simple as that it's as simple as that for me i would say this you yeah. do need money if you have money then you can grow yeah, up if, if you have money kenya is, is, is amazing but i'm not a millionaire jason as long as i'm not a millionaire my daughter is grow, growing up in japan <laughs> You're right. We haven't even talked about safety. That's another big yeah. reason. Yeah. When's the last time I looked behind my back? You know in Kenya, I... this is the last this is the last one. This is the last story. Walking home from the bus stop, might have to stop actually, but I'll just call it a bus stop so everyone understands. From the bus stop to my place was like mm. 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. 10-15 minutes. I got off at like 11 p.m. right mm-hmm. coming back home mm-hmm. from late night at work fine everything's mm-hmm. fine mm-hmm. there were two bo- two guys like i think they were teenagers really who were just mm-hmm. walking right behind me mm-hmm. and i was like you know this is how you know like even even in the modern world our instincts are on point you get this feeling in your back <laughs> you're just like ah fuck you know you feel it in your back So I'm just like let me just cross the road, right? Yeah, There's no yeah. cars, I cross the road and they cross with me. And I'm just like, okay, this is not good. So I pretend to look at my phone like I'm still like acting like a fool. I cross again, you know? So now I'm just walking on the road and they're walking right <laughs> behind me. And then, you know, I pick up I just pretend like I'm picking up the call, right? I stop for a second and I dash. <laughs> I dash super hard and then just before you reach my house there's a quick corner, right? I turn the quick corner and then I don't even go home. I run past my house and go to another apartment building. There's the apartment building next to my apartment building. They're like together, so they're always open. So I run into the second apartment building and I just chill there for like 2-3 minutes. And then the security comes and he just asks me questions like what are you doing? The the security guard comes and asks me questions. I just told them, "Hey, you know, there's these two guys who are looking funny, you know?" And then he looks out and he's like, "Ah, there's no one here." And I'm like, okay, okay, okay. We laugh it off, and then I go back home. Hey man, uh, bro, I've been, I've actually been mugged three times in Kenya. Three times, bro. One time, a guy told me he had a gun. I don't know if he had a gun. He told me he had a gun. The second time, a guy told me he has a syringe filled with HIV-positive blood. And I think Do you believe. Who does that? One of the worst experiences is being attacked next to your house. 
because if you attack next to yeah. home, <laughs> you cannot. You're, ne- you're not safe anywhere. You're, you're not, not safe, safe anywhere. anywhere. Home yeah. is done. Home happening. is not home anymore. Yeah. Bro. Yeah, so there's no way I'm taking my, my daughter back to that shipment. I'm not taking my daughter back there. And then it's being like, in yeah. Japan where you leave your front door open during summer. Yep. <laughs> Bro, you know, I leave my wallet on a table and go to the bathroom when I'm in restaurants. When I'm... There's no one else there. You know, that's how you, you tell people, oh, this table is taken. I just leave my phone on the table or my wallet and I go. I've left my phone and my... Oh, you're right. I've left my bag, my phone and my laptop, like a wallet, everything on the table. And I go to the toilet for like 10 minutes. Yeah. Come back. And you're ch- chill. I like oh. to, for people to understand, this isn't, it, it's not even like in like, this isn't a big restaurant type thing, you know? It's like, this is literally could just be like a, just a simple coffee shop. Yeah. Just leave it and, right there. And you tell me, I want to go back to Kenya whereby I'm sitting in a bus or a matatu, you know? And some the guy behind me literally tries to take the, my phone out of my pocket or you're chilling in a bus you're talking on the phone or you're using your phone and when people are like leaving or alighting at a bus stop they literally try and grab your phone as they're leaving bro, bro not only that let me tell you the most crazy thing you're you're in a bus in the city you open the windows and you're talking on your phone and when the bus is moving someone runs on the road and grabs your phone from outside from outside yes from outside from outside, outside when the bus is moving while the bus is moving <laughs> have you seen the javas who are like you're speaking on the phone the buses are a little bit higher right so in the window you're trying to it, kenya is a warm country so for people who don't know you're, you're always opening the windows because the buses don't have air conditioning mm. so you if you close the window you, you pretty much accepted that you're going to sweat mm. through your yeah. clothes yeah. <laughs> and maybe you're going to work i don't know so you always have the window open and like maybe it's an important phone call. So you're just chilling at the window and stuff like that. I've seen videos of guys who just they run, run, run to these buses. They jump. Oscar, have you seen a high jump? You need the high jump for that phone. <laughs> Bump! And then they just keep on running, you know? <laughs> and to me, it's a funny thing because they know it's like you don't walk into the into the steel. You have to be yeah. you have to be at a certain speed already. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, a, like a fucking aeroplane, right? You don't just, you don't just start and you're up in the air. No, no, no. You have to get into a certain speed first, and then you do the maneuver. So they go and they do the jump, catch it, and then they, the minute they hit the ground, the momentum is there. They keep going. Oh man, Kenyans, Kenyans, man, Kenyans, man. I miss my, miss my home, man. But I don't miss that shit. I don't miss that shit. I don't miss that shit. <laughs> Yeah, so I yeah, I'm not taking my, my I'm not taking my daughter back there. Like, yeah, she's she'll have to overcome being being the half kid in Japan somehow, and I'll I'll do my best to help overcome that. But I'd rather she deal with this psychological issue and go and deal with the physical problems in Kenya. You know, because in physical problems in Kenya, people die. Yep, exactly, exactly. So no, no, no. Let's not even mention the rape cases in Kenya. Let's not even bring that up. It's funny because me and you have already gotten so used to Japan. We've forgotten what it's like to like. To, yeah, just simply go, looking behind. Go, go into town and to see someone who's actually literally quite dying in town center because yeah, they yeah, can't feed yeah. themselves. Yeah. Me and you have completely forgotten about that. Bro, do you remember how a few weeks ago I was, I was walking, I was talking, talking to you on the phone and I was t- telling you how. So I don't like 
loss on bento boxes. I prefer <laughs> still boxes. It's like we've we've come so far now i'm i'm saying like no lost on bento boxes are shit i'm so posh i only eat 7-eleven bento boxes <laughs> I, yeah. what? we were in kenya eating from vibandas for anyone who doesn't know what a, what a kibanda is a kibanda is literally a restaurant that shouldn't exist it's, it's like just a tent someone just i think it's the most a tent. It's, just a tent. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tent <laughs> We came from eating there, and now Oscar is, com- is saying that I, I can't touch loss on mentos. They're, they're not for me. <laughs> oh man! Wow! Oh man! Yeah. So I think that's it for today. That's it. It was a good one. I'm happy. I'm happy. Man, actually, all of these memories are hitting me now. Like, yeah, yeah. wow! This is definitely going to be thought provoking. Yeah. Man, Thank I'm, you. I'm, I feel happy. Yeah. Thank you so much, listeners, for listening to the podcast. Um, Oscar, any final comments? No final comments. I'm happy to move into a new into a new month with this new theme. I'm very excited to see what the listeners have to say. And for any of you, any of the listeners who are not living in their homes, please send us an email, comment on our Instagram, our Twitter. Tell us about your own experience about being far from home. And we'll bring that up in the next few weeks. Thank you very much, listeners and follow us on all the social media platforms and give us all of those good 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 comments all right so with further without further ado it's time to end the show because we're over time so bye bye listeners thank you so much bye 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 jason